you like to do the intro again? Because this is kind of, I mean, this is becoming your show. Right. Uh, so, good afternoon. Or morning. Because that's rule one of the podcasts is you have to let the audience know what time of day you're speaking from so they can know how tired you are or aren't. Ladies and gentlemen, he is taking lessons. He's going to be running this operation before too long. Yeah, that's true. I do take over things. <laughs> Good lord. Hostile takeovers, gentle takeovers. Tickle takeovers. Okay, so welcome back to the Culture Jacked podcast. This is uh, the second episode. It's not the second episode of this podcast, but this is on today's episode, the second episode of Wheel of Time that we're talking about. And we've brought back fan favorite, everyone's hometown hero, Logan. Logan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So this show is all going to be about Wheel of Time, episode two, called Shadows Waiting. That's about 57 minutes long. And if you are following along with the podcast and watching the show, you know that there's going to be spoilers along the way. So Logan, last time I asked you if you could could do the uh, wonderful balancing act of spoiling the show without spoiling the show proper. By going through things that maybe have happened in the book. We're going to keep with that that train. I'm trying my best. Okay. So, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this recap. I'm going to talk about what the show is about. Wait, before I do that, is there any, uh, any apprehensions about this, this episode of the podcast? No. Nope. I'm feeling solid about it. <laughs> okay. So, we had talked about... On the last episode, after we recorded the podcast, there was a moment in the first episode where they were fighting off the Trollocs, and Perrin went, he whipped around, and his axe caught his his girlfriend, or his fiance or his wife. Right, yeah. And who shouldn't have existed in the first place. Who should not have existed in the first place. You talked about how she wasn't there, and so they found a convenient way to write her out of the story real quick, but one thing that you noticed that we didn't talk about was when he whipped around to deliver the killing blow, she had her axe raised. Yeah. That I raised did, your hackles. I did notice that. That was a little weird. So is that is that well obviously it's not something to do with the book because she didn't exist in the first Can't place. Can't be canon, but I I don't know. The uh that that was definitely interesting that she was you know, all raised up like she was gonna strike Perrin. But then, you know, at the same time, like since they, they solved their own paradox of having her in the show, do you think like maybe they just gave her the part and then they were like, Oh shit. She doesn't exist in these books. We gotta get her out of there. <laughs> Gone. Well, I mean it it Director's daughter sort of situation. That well that could be. There's a there's a trope that that happens in movies and shows sometimes where I, it's like the damsel in distress trope or something like that where they put a female character in danger simply for the male character's like emotional development and the male character's arc. So really, they're a disposable tool in some cases. Sure, and I can definitely see that you gave parents <laughs> some serious mental anguish there. And and you you talked about Matt. And his little sisters 
in the show as well. Yeah, I don't recall him being a Mr. Mom in the book, but, you know, it was 20 years ago. Maybe he was. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, does that feel cheap to you if that's what they're doing? If they're giving these characters, like, other side characters that they can then become emotional invest, emotionally invested in, that you can become emotionally invested in, and then killing them off or sending them away or otherwise... Uh, crippling our, our main heroes of the story. I think it's more just a product of condensing. Like, if you were to try and spend as much time developing these characters as they did in the book, everyone would get bored with the show and then no one would watch it and we would end up with no second season. Well, that was one thing I had a big trepidation uh, about when you were describing the book to me in the primer episode that we did. There was a lot. <laughs> It was very intimidating. You were talking about all of these different uh, people and characters and organizations and definitions and lore. I was like, this is a this is a lot. How are they going to do this? And so far, I haven't felt, you know, so overwhelmed in the series so far. They've done well. They've they've done well. Okay, we'll get on with this this recap then. So. There is, a, it starts with like an encampment of the children of the light. And these guys are, are zealots, oftentimes referred to as white cloaks. White cloak is kind of a slang for them. Yeah, I don't like that. Like in the, in the book, they don't care for it? No, well, probably not on the show either, I imagine. <laughs> so there's a dude, there's one of the white cloaks, and he's, he's eating. He gets this special dish delivered to him, and it's on a beautiful silver platter, and it's like a bug and he's eating it. And well, that was a bird. Was it a bird? Yeah, he was talking about its bones and its beak. And Oh, was he? Yeah, he was like... Oh, I the, missed all of that. <laughs> the flavor of this comes not only from the, the dish itself, but actually your own blood. It's meant to cut your mouth only ever so slightly. So he, the, and he did have a little blood drip, like dripping down the side of his mouth. Yeah, it was kind of a twisted sort of thing. And it shows this guy, like his barbaric nature, I guess, eating this eating this bird, uh, which I'll just assume is a big bug because I don't like to admit being wrong. But that's fine, whatever. So he's eating this bug bird, little little <laughs> little drip of blood, and what kind of Pokemon's a bug bird? Butterfree. Okay, it was a Butterfree then. He was eating a Butterfree. So as a maniac, those Butterfree are adorable. Pretty cute, yeah. Ah. Uh, We've got we've got episodes about mixing and matching things sometime in the future. You're gonna have to be involved in those, but that's not here or now. Uh, so he's eating this thing and he moves away from his his tasty little snack that he's eating, and he's like fiddling with a no, he's not fiddling with a ring yet, but he's got like a chain of rings that he's collected on his person, and then there's a woman who is is posted out. She's tied to a stake. Looks like she's got a bunch of twigs under her. They're getting ready to burn her like a witch. Yeah, just <laughs> oh, like that. And boy, they do. Uh, but there was something I didn't notice that you had to tell me about. She had her hands like lopped off. Uh, they, he pulled a ring off of these hands and I was like, oh, that was his previous victim or something. But you say it's her hands, not a huge, like that's not an important thing, but. Yeah, no, she, she they definitely gave you a little zoom in on her her 
stubs. <laughs> her little little nubby nubs. Yeah. So you saw her stumps, and then you saw her hands on like an actual tree stump. There, there was some stump action happening. So I can't remember what he what he said, but it was very threatening, and obviously he's getting ready to kill this woman. But she's an Aes Sedai, and so the White Cloaks hate the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. They don't care for him. They want to get rid of him. Uh, he's collecting those rings, and then he continues to enjoy his lunch and, and watch her burn while he drinks some wine. A really cool shot, too. It was like the wine glass was reflective and showed her burning in the foreground. It was some artsy witch burning. <laughs> um, yeah, that I, guy was a questioner, uh, which okay. is a different like specialized class of white cloak. Uh, it's really his job to question people and we see a little bit of that in this episode like he you totally do <laughs> he's not a good questioner because if he knew anything about Aes Sedai he'd be able to question them right into admitting their Aes Sedai he yeah he fucked up big time then it goes to the intro though and the intro uh it was giving me some real like uh Game of Thrones vibes on the intro uh very well very well done and there's some shows that I don't watch, the, I watch the intro one time, maybe two times, and then the rest of the series I skip past it, because most of the streaming services have that option now. It is a well done intro, and the score on it, and really the style is Game of Thrones, uh, also very reminiscent of Westworld. I have, now I haven't seen Westworld. You would like that show, it's what? a good one. It's, it's very opposite of this one though, because this is like high fantasy, and that's like... High sci-fi. High sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then our heroes, it cuts back to them. They're running from a Trollock horde. They go to cross a river because apparently Trollocs don't like deep water. No, um, not a fan. Like cats. And... You can basically think of them as scary cats. I really love the Trolloc design. I know I said it in the last episode, but they're really, really cool. And they wake up this old man who's like the fairy master there on the riverside. And he's like, well, you've you've woken me then. And... And she was like, "Hey, I'm gonna pay you to get us across this river. I need you to need you to do it right now." Because he was like, hey, "I'm gonna wait for my son. He'll be here in a minute." And she's like, "Nope, we can't wait. Let's go." And so he gets him across the river, and then he realizes that there's a a trollock horde after them that stopped by the river. And the fade he comes through, and he's you know riding his little horse, and he opens his his pointy mouth, his pointy butthole mouth, and he's like, "I'm gonna scream at you from across the river," because he can't. He can't do anything. And then Moraine... It's frustrating. It, it would be frustrating. <laughs> now, do the Fades, like, similarly to the Trollocs, have an aversion to the water? Or did he just not go because he wouldn't be able to take his horde with him? I don't know. That was probably a practical sort of thing. Like, what are you going to do with your horse and try and get across a river? He's got real pointy teeth, though. Yeah, but, I mean, what's that going to do? In the books, do the Fades ever fuck up anybody with their real pointy teeth? No, they're just, like master swordsman sort of guys oh well he could have gone been although land's pretty much a badass so maybe he couldn't have taken land by himself maybe maybe not we'll find out you say land or lawn land land yeah. okay then i'm gonna say land as well so moraine the old man's like i gotta go back for my son which is the dumbest shit ever he was gonna fight the whole horde. he was gonna fight the whole horde by himself we actually got introduced to the main character in this episode it was the old man he's the dragon reborn he is they're the really dra- trying to tease that out who it is it was the old man it was him all the time uh he's like i'm gonna go back for my son and moraine was like no you're not and they cut the rope 
and his his fairy starts drifting back over and she does some magic and makes a whirlpool and he's like my fairy how will i get my son back across and uh she's like don't don't go you idiot you can come with us and he's like no they didn't they're not gonna pay another actor on this trip so i'm gonna dive in the water and he dives in the water after his fairy and gets sucked into the whirlpool that she he did drown made. trying to save his fairy. It's a, it's it's uh, the way every ferryman would like to would like to go. That that bond, the <laughs> man and his fairy. Between a man and his fairy. Um. So then uh, the party they rest up not right across the river. They were right away and and land has covered their covered their tracks, and um, they mourn uh, Navi uh, because she was was taken by the Trollocs and they they have uh, a little conversation about how they all could be the dragon dragon reborn. They're sleeping in a cave and Moraine wakes Eugene up and tells her about the three oaths. Well, we, hold on first before you get to those three oaths. Did I miss something? Well, in the show they are definitely teasing the, oh, it could be any of you. Any one of you could be the dragon. But it's definitely Eugene. It's... It's definitely one of them. I'm not going to... I mean, if you're listening, Craggle Rock, you don't get to find out from here. <laughs> but <laughs> you should know. You read up to, like, book seven, I think. Uh, yeah, no, in, in the books, it, there was no ambiguous who the dragon is out of these Teraveran. All right. I don't think. Having seen it was two... was 20 years ago. God, that's a long time. I, I couldn't remember any book that I read 20 years ago, back when I even read a book. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, going to bet, having seen three episodes now, because we're recording, this is episode two we're recording, but we cheekily, I, you know, I watched another one. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's Rand. I'm going to watch your face for a reaction. It's a pretty good poker face. It's Perrin. It's... That's not Perrin. He's something else. It's definitely... It's fucking definitely not Matt. It's Eugene. It's Rand. I'm going with Rand. All right, we'll see. We'll see later. They don't tell us in episode three either. Uh, we certainly don't. You son of a bitch. Okay, so they're sleeping in a cave. Moraine wakes Eugene up. First, I don't know. If, was she trying to wake her up? Or was she just like feeling her aura across her... Across I, her head or whatever. It was creepy. It was. That was a creepy way to wake it, somebody it, up. Just waving your hand over. And she she woke her up and she's like, whoa, don't wait. She's like, don't worry. It's it's cool. Don't, don't, don't stress about it. She takes her out of the cave and she tells her about these three oaths that you talked about in the last episode. But the three R's, the three R's, <laughs> the three oaths are to speak no word that is not true, which is why the questioners can be so effective. Uh, to make no weapon that would kill another, and to only use the one power in the last extreme defense of oneself, uh, or in defense of their warder, or in defense of other Aes Sedai. And they talk a little bit about her powers, like it's being adrift in a river, and she said, you know, you don't listen to the wind. You, everyone says you have that, or you say you have that talent, Eugene, but really it's the wind that listens, that listens to you. That, that was a good line. And, uh, you know, they, it's kind of a mild form of a very similar line later on in the book. Okay, very good. Which is great. <laughs> do you think they're going to they're gonna bring it back, or do you think this is the, the substitution, the step in? No, it, 
the one I'm talking about uh, is, you know, a completely different situation, but kind of similar, like, oh, man, yeah, no, you're just going to have to wait for that one. I'm, I'm not trying to give that away. Okay, all right, all right, fine. You won't tell me who the Dragon Reborn is. You won't tell me what this line is. That's that's fine. Uh, so Eugene, after she gets this talk from Moraine, she goes and finds Ran, who's now outside the cave. Like, he just found a different spot to lay down, because I think he was in the cave to start with. Yeah, he got outside sleepy i think he got nosy <laughs> and he went to go watch him and then she started walking back and he just laid down he couldn't make it back in the cave in time so he laid down and he was like i'm asleep and she lays down with him and he wakes up and he's like oh, i'm sorry i want to be alone and she's like all right fine whatever perrin is having a like a fire staring contest he's over by the fire chilling and it's it's revealed that he is wounded like he he's messing with his pants and he sees there's a we see there's a wound there, and he's interrupted by Eugene. Eugene just she won't just go to bed. Um, and Rand, he wakes up with a sore throat, and he's like <coughs> after Eugene's left, and he's coughing, and a uh, he starts spitting, and he pulls an entire ass bat out of his mouth. Don't you hate that? I hate it when I get bat mouth when I sleep. It's not it's, it's the worst. Not good. And so this is a real like what the fuck moment. Um, but it turns out it was a dream. And as he as he was dreaming, he was confronted by someone in like a dark cloak. Um, but when he woke up, there were dead bats everywhere. And so there's these people apparently in this that are dream walkers. They're like the Freddy Kruegers of this universe. Yeah. So uh, like olden time uh, Aes Sedai, they used to have a lot more knowledge about dream walking and actually doing stuff. Uh, they don't as much anymore. That's just kind of a lost art for the Aes Sedai, but the Aiel, they have uh, wise ones, which are basically Aiel Aes Sedai. And they aren't as skilled in a lot of areas that Aes Sedai are, but they are far surpassed in other areas like dream walking uh these wise ones they they know how to do that shit still so some of uh some we could call the eyes to die like the western world the like western medicine sort of situation they're gonna team up and like learn some some olden timey shit okay eventually so okay all right but the Forsaken, they're like bad Aes Sedai. They're, they're followers of the Dark One, and they've got all this like previous knowledge of what it was to be an Aes Sedai, and they can, uh, they can totally dream walk and do some shit. Okay, okay. And so that was one of these guys, maybe, the Forsaken. Yeah, probably was. <laughs> He's an evil-looking motherfucker. Yeah, the, the wise ones, they got no qualms with you right now they're they're not trying to put bats in your mouth <laughs> that's i mean that seems like a very wizened thing to do it seems like someone that has maybe a little more knowledge yeah do unto others as you want done unto you and Most bats in people, the mouth bats in the mouth isn't a thing if they the want one. all right one sec i have to are we on pause no i'm just gonna edit it out <laughs> 
Hello. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can you see oh. what's? Can you see it what's? Getting in touch with Logan. What? Logan was speaking about the Aes Sedai on our podcast that we're recording right now. I was like, maybe she'll get this text and I won't have to edit out this whole conversation from this podcast. But apparently I have someone at home that cares about me. And so thank you very much for caring. You're welcome. Also, I didn't pass on any message. He didn't pass on any message. He just said. It was just vibing in my pocket. Though. It was just vibing in my pocket, too. And he was doing such a good job of ignoring it and very eloquently speaking about the Forsaken and speaking about... Wait. Just texted him a bunch of times. Did you, uh, did you watch Wheel of Time yet? No, but I am taking Ireland to the concert, so I love you. I love you. I will call you as soon as I'm done podcasting here. I'm going to record this one with him, and then I'm going to record... Okay. Maybe one more. Double header? I might do a triple header if I can. I really want to not have to do any when I'm at home. Okay? Okay. So, the Forsaken, the Dreamwalkers, these, these wise old people that can infiltrate, infiltrate dreams. Now, Moraine chastises the group because apparently they've all had, like, a very similar dream. And Perrin even mentioned something about, like, hearing the bones break of the, of the bats or something along those lines. And then, uh, let's see what happens. Oh, Moraine was like, was there anyone that appeared in your dream? Was there, was there any person that was like, yeah, there's this shadowy dude. And Rand calls out Moraine. He's like, I don't understand why you gotta be giving us orders. We don't even know we should trust you. What you did to that old man was wrong. You shouldn't have drowned him in the river with his fairy. Or was that, was that him? That, That's what he would have wanted. This, <laughs> She's like, but if he stayed with us, he would have Batmouth, just like the rest of you. I saved, I saved him from that. Um, so Rand and Eugene, they argue about Moraine's intentions, separate from the group. And Eugene defends Moraine. And uh, she would. Total girl power. Well, I mean, and the, the night previous, before the Batmouth, uh, Moraine had like that stone that she was showing her, and you'd be like, picture the water picture it flowing uh and then it was like eugene kind of activated some of her powers yeah and girls love jewelry so there it was <laughs> there it was and uh you get one of those ice die rings she <laughs> she's just imagining the bling that she'd be decked out in if she joined this this uh cabal of sorceresses um so eugene kind of defends her and Rand's like well piss on you and they kind of Part ways all pissed off at each other. Lan warns the party about uh, the White Cloaks, that there's White Cloaks coming and they need to get their stories straight. And Moraine, you know, gives them this elaborate cover story that she's like a, a rich heiress and, you know, they're all looking to go meet up with her sister in in some other, other town. The White Cloaks, they approach them, they have everybody dismount, and they get to questioning them. And then this same questioner the one that had burned the other Aes Sedai with all of his rings, all of his bling, go, it goes to, to question Moraine, and she... She gave him the old bamboozle. She gave him the old bamboozle. She did like a, a Jedi mind trick, and so they can't lie, which is why the questioners for the White Cloaks are so effective, because they know the questions to ask. Well, I mean, I guess all the rest of them except this guy. They don't know the right question. Which is just, are you and I to die? So the, and then they, yeah. 
<laughs> what if they like weaseled their way out of that too? They're like, I mean, you know, anyone could be an Aes Sedai. <laughs> look at her, look around. Are you an Aes Sedai? They don't answer the question, but they don't lie about it either. It's a, uh, withholding the withholding information. Anyway, so they're questioned, and they look at her wound by the Trollocks, and they do tell them the truth about the Trollocks and the White Cloaks. They split off and go separate directions. The questioner apparently doesn't want to have anything to do with the Trollocks, but the general dude or the captain dude, he takes a contingent uh, to go deal with some Trollocks. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe. And then Eugene confronts Moraine and is like, hey, you lied, man. What's going on there? And she's like, that wasn't a lie. It was just a little, little, little uh, slip of the tongue, a little, you know, misdirect. She's like, you said you had a sister in that in that city. And she's like, <laughs> all I said I are my sisters. So it was very cheeky. Yeah. The truth you hear isn't the necessarily the, the truth that I'm right. telling. Yeah. She said, li- like, listen closely or yeah. something along those lines. Um. Okay, so then as they're as they're writing, Matt starts singing. He starts singing a, a like an ancient song about uh, Matherin, yeah. and uh, everyone joins in. Well, I mean, all the all the four that were recruited join in. Perrin and and Rand and Eugene, and they join in and they sing the song. And Moraine's like, "Hey, it's good that you're singing about that, so we remember." And she gives some of the history of like what Matherin was. And what they fought for, and I can't really remember what that was. They were uh, a small city uh, of really, you know, tenacious warriors, and uh, they they go around and help everybody oh, with right. their fights, and then they were just a real thorn in the dark one side, is the way she put it, and dark one just went ahead and dropped everybody on them, and they were promised aid if they could last for three days, and and they did. But nobody came to help them. And then they lasted only 13 days before there was no more Matherin. But the, the queen of, that's right, of Matherin, that's right. uh, she had the one power and her husband died and she got real pissed. And then she threw like a fire hurricane at him. And she killed all those dark one guys. <laughs> the, the fades and the trollocks that were probably attacking them. Yeah. And that's how the the two rivers is descendants of Matherin. It's just the the kids and the the keepers of the kids that were hiding away in the mountains. They came back and right, they, yep. they kept the land. So, are there other monsters in this series? <clears throat> excuse me. Besides Trollocks and besides Fades, you don't have to describe the monsters. I just I just want to be spoiled. <laughs> the one power. Uh, I just want to be spoiled in is there is there other monsters and creatures we can look forward to? Yes. Okay, that's all I that's all I need to know. Okay, so uh Rand and Eugene, they're gathering firewood again and, and they're trying to hash things out and she's like, I, I don't wanna leave without knowing that you're yeah, you hate me and he's like, I could never hate you and Perrin's wound is is hurting and meanwhile and he's confronted by like a pack of wolves. And the wolves are like barking and growling and stuff, and then one of them comes up and gave him a little wolf lick. Gave him a little wolf lick to cure his cure his wound. All better. <laughs> That's what you need to do if you have a, a gaping injury inflicted by a 
a mythical creature like a Trolloc. Just gotta go find a wolf. Have it give you, have it give you a little, little lick. So he licks his wound. It runs off, uh, and the then the Fade ambushes the party while they sleep with the Trollocs. He's caught up. He's caught up to him. Land gets everyone up, gets them retreating, and they retreat into the fallen city of Shadar Lagoth. Yeah, as the one. Okay, fantastic. And horses, the horses stop. They they don't want any part of it. Uh, there's like a giant wall with a huge, uh, just like break in the wall. Uh, and all of the Trollocs have stopped as well. They're very, very scared, but they go inside. And they take note that this is a very creepy city. There's, there's Perrin says there's no birds, there's no bugs, there's nothing. He says, Moraine is in bad shape. She's she's pretty beat up. She's doing a sleep. She is. T- she's having a little nap where everyone else is in this creepy ass city. This was it was once called Eridol. 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 It was a shadow city that was abandoned during the Trolloc Wars. I, I like that they've introduced this one monster so far, and it has such a prolific, like, uh, it has such a prolific, uh, what am I trying to say here? It's, it's infamous. It's, yeah, it's, it's very much uh, embedded in all of their stories and tales and, and, and the lore of this, of this place. Um, but it was consumed by their dark hearts, the, the city. That's how the, the myth has it, right? That they, well, they're the motherfuckers. Didn't go help Mathrin. Oh, so this is this is directly related to the Mathrin legend. Yeah, they were one of the most powerful cities in that time, and uh, when everybody was going through their troubles, they just built that big old wall and just hid behind it. Cowards, greedy, and that's why their dark hearts consumed consumed them and the and the city. Um. Lan warns them not to touch anything and eat only the food that they brought, which they don't listen to, or at least Matt doesn't listen to because he finds that treasure. Matt's not a big listener. I'm finding that out very quickly. Yeah. He's kind of a funny guy, but I, I, I can see some good character arc stuff happening for him in the, in the future. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so Eugene and, and Brand... They hold hands looking out over the city. They've, they've made up, it seems. And Matt gives, gives Perrin a knife that Layla made, the blacksmith back in the town that he murdered. And he's like, hey, I, I, I wouldn't use this. You know, you're, you, know you, you can use it. Um, if you were to use it, it's probably to fix something stupid that I did anyway. And so that was a nice moment between the two of them. Matt's wandering around. He finds a little che- treasure chest with a dagger inside with a ruby in the hilt. If you saw the trailer... This is the same one in the trailer. I'm I'm guessing this dagger has some kind of implication later on. It's important in some way. It's a significant dagger. It's a significant dagger, and he takes it from the shadow of this evil city. Uh, and while they're all chilling, like the shadow starts creeping up on them, and it creeps up on a horse and just straight up dissolves a horse right in front of them. So right out the gate, you know the shadow is uh, malevolent. It's yeah, bad news. Bad news. Shadow or good. It's good because it killed a horse. What if that horse was like evil? Yeah, it probably It knew was. that that horse was like a rapist or a criminal of some kind. Or just that it was a horse, really. I mean, when you think about it. One day when my daughter, your niece, listens to this podcast, she's going to be very mad at you. Well, 
You never kill a damn horse. You never kill a damn horse, she says. Okay, and then... <laughs> she's always saying that. She's always what she said. What would you like for breakfast? And she's like, you never kill a damn horse. I'm like, I got you. I'm going to serve it to you anyway, though. I didn't kill it. Someone else did. We don't eat horse. That's what you got butchers for. Uh, so the shadow starts going after all of them, and it splits up the party. And Rand and Matt go one way, Perrin and Eugene go another way, and Lan scoops up Moraine, and they ride off out of the city as well. They all escape the shadow, and Lan is, is looking to Moraine, and he's caught off guard as he's, as he's looking at Moraine, who's very uh, uh, sickly, and he's caught off guard from behind as a, as a sword, a dagger, comes up against his throat, and we turn around, and who is it? It's, it's Navi. She survived her abduction by the Trollocs, and then that's the end of episode number two, like roll credits yep. on episode two. So what did you think of episode two versus episode one? So I guess what I'm trying to ask is maybe I'll try and get your opinion as we go through this series and maybe, you know, the second season, hopefully the third season, if we get to it, like where do you rate them? Which episode was better? Uh, episode one or two so far. Well, it's just going to be progressively better because they're going to develop more of their cool shit. That is absolutely not true for any series ever. That's true for this one. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's just going to build and, until it, it's done because it's over. No. But not like Game of Thrones over where they're just like, we're done making money. It, oh, yeah. That, they did resign themselves to not making as much money as they could. But like Dragon Ball Z... They get progressively more and more and more and more powerful and they, you know, fight with laser blasts and they're hurling solar systems at each other, whatever the fuck they do. Like there's, there's a point where they all slow down and just talking and like, well, that was kind of a boring episode. Yeah. They don't do that. They don't do that in this one. It's just better. Every time gets more immersive. All of a sudden it's in 3d. We don't know how it happened. We have a regular TV. Like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm calling so far. It, it's, it's going to get better. So you like episode two better than episode one. And if I ask you on episode three, which one was the best so far? And you'll say episode three. Yeah, except for maybe like one of the ones later on. I think there was a, a little bit slower of an episode in there. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you, son of a bitch. Oh, okay. The white, the white cloaks. <laughs> Is that a spoiler? Uh, no, that's not a spoiler. That's, that's we fine. cutting that out? No, we're not cutting that out. Oh, okay. That, Podcast, that, that there, guys. That there might be a boring episode. That's a spoiler. <laughs> no, it's not a spoiler. That's fine. You're fine. So the White Cloaks, they're pretty evil, huh? Well, I mean, not necessarily. I think that they are well-intentioned. Like, uh, you know, somebody that's vegan or something. Like, <laughs> We're really calling, calling them all out today. We're calling out the... The ladies for liking their jewelry. We're calling out the vegans for liking their, I don't know, humane treatment of animals or whatever you're whatever you're doing out there. Their mold. I don't know what if <laughs> tofu. So the They're just things that don't cast shadows. I do pocket mulch now. <laughs> things that don't. So the white white cloaks, pretty evil. So it would seem. We've seen that, but we've also seen in this episode like a dichotomy of the the questioner guy and like the captain of the guard who seemed you know very uh, empathetic toward moraine and our group right so yeah no even though they have very strong opinions about Aes Sedai, that 
captain of that particular group of white cloaks did suggest, hey, you should probably go see an Aes Sedai if you can find one because she's the only one going to be able to heal that shit. So how did they deal with that contradiction where the white cloaks are actively hunting and killing Aes Sedai and then at the same token accepting of some of the Aes Sedai? How can those, those two factions live in the same organization like side by side on horseback? That's uh, that's just you know religions being contradictory. Oh, okay, it, yeah, it, yeah, it happens. Yeah, could be. Uh, I guess that that questioner guy, he's much more of a zealot. I mean, the other the captain probably is too. But notice when he heard about the Trollocks, he was going to take his whole goddamn force down there and fight them. And the other guy was like, "Yeah, I'm really more into m- murdering Aes Sedai." <laughs> Which is crazy because that Aes Sedai, that Aes Sedai, Moraine, in that first episode, she wrecked shop on those Trollocks. Like, you would think, if you were a coward, I mean, I, I guess maybe his, his more more of a motivating factor for him was, like, you know, killing these Aes Sedai than it was, like, his cowardice. But, like, Trollocks seem like they'd be an easier easier take than Well, I mean, Aes Sedai. if you can sneak up on an Aes Sedai and, and get them... Uh... They, they're really not allowed to hurt you unless you're about to kill them. Would it be, would it be breaking an Aes Sedai's oath if you asked the Aes Sedai a riddle and they couldn't solve the riddle? No, that's just speaking your own truth. <laughs> I mean, because they don't know the answer. The answer is the only truth. No, saying I don't know would also be true. I just feel like the White Cloaks being cast in such a negative light right away makes me feel like there are going to be some major redeeming qualities or major redeeming characters that come out of that organization sometime in the future. That'd be neat, huh? That would be neat. You <laughs> sneaky, <laughs> sneaky eyes. Uh, okay, Logan, you have anything else to add to episode two of The Wheel of Time on Amazon? Nope, just looking forward to episode three. (laughs) We already saw episode three, but we're not telling you about it on this episode. We're going to tell you about that on the next, on today's episode. This has been a Culture Jack podcast. On today's episode, my special guest, Logan, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Trollocks. Thanks. I'd like to talk about Trollocks even off the air. Let's talk more about the Trollocks. We will, deep into the night or morning. Uh, if you like the podcast, do us a favor, uh, leave a thumbs up or a heart or a smiley face or leave us a review or subscribe a review or download a copy and leave it in a train station. (laughs) You could do that after you listen to it. Yeah, but definitely at a train station because Joe Byron will find it. (laughs) If, you, if Joe Byron was here right now, what would you say to him? <laughs> Buy me some dinner. Take me out to dinner, baby. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, so, yeah, you could do that. Or you could just leave a like and a review. You can comment on any of our social medias at CultureJacked on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We're over there on Beams if you want to come have a conversation with us there. Uh, also, you can send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for what's tomorrow. This is on a Saturday, so we got Weekend Wire on Sunday, Monday Madness on Monday. We've got the News Desk on Thursday and the Friday Show 
on Friday. Be fucked up if we had the Friday show on a different day. Oh man, you should do that sometime. I should. I should put I've it also on. Also been Tuesday. thinking you could put your whole manuscript of an individual show in a bottle and throw it in the ocean. Why would I do that though? I don't know. Someone might not have some internets. Some beachcomber. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I, I and I could I could ask in this podcast and be like, hey, do any of you not have the technology to receive this podcast? But that wouldn't. No, nah, I wouldn't. And they'd never get to you them. You get that audience with the message in the bottle. So would that encourage or inspire them to to get the technology to listen to the podcast? Or would I just have to continue throwing bottles out to sea? Hopefully they'd get the next episode. They'd be real <laughs> lost without it. <laughs> <laughs> what interest would a person who is on like a, a lonely island or, or wherever this person is that's getting these bottles have in a, a podcast written or voiced or otherwise about a, st- a streamed show on Amazon Prime. Can you imagine how bored they'd be? They, <laughs> You're missing out on a whole audience is basically what I'm saying here, though. I know, but would I, would I then have to get with the the our betters at Amazon and tell them, hey, we need a manuscript of the show as well so I can send that out to see? No, you'd have to do that. I'd have to, man, I'd have to manually transcribe a whole... You just said Siri in front of it and she'd do it for you. But don't correct it at all. As is. <laughs> I like it. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning into the show. Uh, we will see you on the next episode.